Hello, sports fans. Welcome back, everybody. We are back with uh, another episode of Captain's Corner. With me, as always, Coach Matt. And uh, with our second guest in our show's existence. We second took, real guest. Second real guest. We took a, a couple-week hiatus. All right, full disclosure, I got married. Congrats, Jake. You are now a married man. I can... I can you're glowing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel. I feel like I'm glowing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like floating around over here. Uh, no, it was a good time. Everything went well. No disasters. Nobody fainted. No puke. And she said yes. She said yes. She's and, well. She was on time. Okay. Yeah. And That's she big. Sh- she showed up. She walked down and said yes. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. And uh, Uncle Frank was kept in check. That's. You gotta. Every every family has an uncle Frank, okay. If, if not more than one. If not more than one, my uncle, my uncle Frank. Listen, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta hire somebody attached, to, attached at his hip. Well, right? That's awesome, man. But he that's spent the night on the dance floor. It was a good time. It was, uh, but I honestly miss doing these. We did, we did two weeks off. I know. We're so back at it. though. I'm very excited to come back and get this one going again. I've had two weeks just, just to let that mind roll, just to think, just to think of good questions, think of good topics. Yep, and we have a great guest. For those questions today, we have on Coach Joshua Knoll, uh, Western Tech. Uh, he's uh, it's a it's a technical college in Lacrosse, uh, but we will let Josh kind of tell you a little bit more about it. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, fellas. Good to finally be on the show. Thank you, thank you. And and just to, just to get this on record, you are a listener, correct? I am. No, I've been listening since day one. When you said I'm going to do a podcast, I said, well, I better I better hear what all the hype's about, especially if Jake's going to have some stories on some things with baseball. Oh, yeah, we got a few here. and uh, <laughs> But we appreciate you tuning in and everyone else. Uh, if you'd like to send in any questions, we will go over some today. If you got any questions or comments on the show, you can email us at captainscorner444 at gmail.com. So let's dive into it, Josh. What's what's on the docket today? So something that's been honestly on my mind for a little bit now being in the college program for a few years now and kind of talking about which is kind of the transition from high school to college. Um, I've honestly seen a lot of things, some good things, some bad things on social media from what I've heard from when I brought guys into my program and no, I just kind of wanted to get it out there to kind of see what you guys thought about as far as with, you know, trying to get guys ready for the next level and, you know, kind of how we can make things go smoother for everybody because it's, it's one thing when, you know, guys come into the program and they think they know everything because some academy said they taught them everything because they paid them thousands of dollars. But, you know, I just want to kind of get everybody's idea of what we're really dealing with here. Well, let's just backtrack a little bit. Let's tell the audience kind of who you are and tell us a little bit about Western Tech and your time there. So, you know, as we kind of like talked earlier before we got on live here, so I'm originally from Sparta, Wisconsin. I graduated there in 2009. Um, Kind of bounced around from school to school. You know, I went originally to Viterbi University out of high school. That's when I met Coach James right there in college. then I found out 18 months that I wasn't ready for a four-year university. Went to Western Technical College. I uh, played there for two years. And once I was done there, uh, I got the opportunity to go to a school, a little town in nowhere, Nebraska, called York. Uh, went there. It's uh, York University now. I played there for two years. Um, 
got to be a part of a national caliber type program. You got to play in a NAI World Series. Got wow. to play independent ball for about three months. Got hurt. Um, came back as a grad assistant at my alma mater at York. Decided, hey, this coaching thing's pretty fun. Went back to Western, was a volunteer coach for two years. And when the head coach got let go, they offered me the job, and here we are today, eight years later. That is, that's, that's quite a story, man. I actually didn't know a lot of that. I didn't know you even went down to Nebraska. That's really cool. And the NAI World Series. Yeah, that would be no, a good it's, experience. It's, it's one thing when you come from a small town of, you know, 8,000 people, and then all of a sudden you have to go out there and you're playing in the NAI World Series again. It's powerhouse from Atlanta, Georgia. And you're looking out in the stands, and there's almost 18,000 people, and you're like, wow, um, I'm a little out of my element here. I'm not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's, let's talk about your, your head coaching job at Western real quick. So what is, what is your, let's say, uh, your off-season? We're in the off-season now, correct? Yep. So no, what, 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 are, what, is, right what are some of the things that you're doing right now to get ready for uh, next year? So for us right now, we're kind of just getting our guys kind of getting up to speed as far as with college. You know, we've got a, we got a big turnover this year. So a lot of it is going to be getting guys bigger, faster, stronger, really trying to develop them and get them up to speed, like I said, and just trying to get as much experience as we can. We're practicing five days a week. We're lifting three days a week. Once we're done outside, as far as everything with our practices that the NGCA allows us, then we're going to be lifting five days a week. So... Our boys don't like to get bigger, faster, stronger. We're going to be doing that right now. So it's just going to get them that much better. No, that, that's great stuff. And, and Matt and I, we're actually just talking about that in a couple previous episodes on our off-season episode. Yeah, I think, you know, coming from when I was in high school thinking that I was a real good baseball player and then going to college program, and I'm talking any college program. Any college program, I think, and you can probably echo this, I don't think kids are ready to compete with kids who are a couple years older and who've been in the weight room religiously for a while. Like, to me, I think that's one thing I would love to preach to our guys at the captains is that you, you might think you're physically ready, but the amount of freshmen who are physically ready coming into a college season, maybe less than 10%. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I find it funny because, you know, these guys have come from a lot of different academies from, you know, a lot of times here in Wisconsin and sometimes all the way around the country. And, you know, some of those guys, they lift maybe once or twice a week, and it's usually on their free time. And when those guys get here and with our strength coach and everything else, you know, he is, he's almost an Olympic power lifter and everything like that. So he knows his way around getting guys bigger. And, you know, I laugh. We'll get through that first week, and guys are complaining about how tired they are and how big, you know, how their legs are always aching. And, Coach, I don't feel like I can run full speed. But in reality, it's like you're going to have to grow up really quick especially at the college level for sure do you get a lot of your um and I, I know if I was a captain's player listening to this one I'd be very lucky that you know we get to talk to someone like you because pretty much every player in the organization has ambitions to play in college and I know when I was at that stage I kind of always thought to myself man like what do these coaches want what do they want from me where can they see me um, and I guess, I mean, that's a huge question, but, you know, if, if, if I'm a junior or senior right now 
and you know let's say um let's say that i i assume i'm not like a power five guy like i'm, I'm not one of the top 20 percent of the players in the country you know i'm not going to get drafted i'm not going to university of alabama how can i get on you know a, a, like uh your radar or coaches you know in your sphere how do i get on your guys radar well first i think it really all starts with finding where the right fit for you is going to be you know everybody is trying to find that future job and trying to do everything like that and you know, I think the biggest thing is simply just starting out and just kind of do some research as far as what you want to do with your career. And I know with, you know, juniors and seniors in high school, you know, they can't even, they can't think past next week as far as what they want to do with their lives. But, you know, fortunately with us being a junior college, you know, with us being a technical school, we have a lot of the trade, but we also have a lot of the regular programs too. And honestly, get on my kind of radar, it's honestly – just to show interest as far as what you want to see, it's simply by doing some research. You know, trying to find what level of, you know, what level of play you want to play at. Because within junior college, there's three different levels. Um, even within JUCO level, there's Division One, Division Two, and Division Three. And with us being Division Three, you know, we're a lot like a lot of four-year Division Three programs. We can't offer scholarships. You know, a lot of it is kind of a walk-on kind of sense. But for me. When I'm looking at guys that I want to recruit, honestly, it's just building interest, obviously sending emails, maybe even just kind of saying, hey, uh, going through the website, seeing if there's like a questionnaire to fill out, and just try to figure what's going to work best as far as how you want to communicate. Because every coach is different. Um, I know you guys are a little bit different than how I am as far as with communication. And, you know, if guys want to show the interest for me and in the program, and, you know, I'm pretty quick as far as with answering emails, but I know some coaches that, you know, when they look at the metrics of guys, you know, guy might not be 6'3", 220, I'm not even going to look at them. So I think a little bit of every coach is different, but I think as a, as a general, I think the biggest thing is just to kind of show interest and kind of keep putting your name out there so that way either if a coach shows interest, he'll respond, or if a coach doesn't show interest, you know, professionally, you hope they'd answer, but if they may not answer, then you might have to try to find something else as far as with their option. That's so funny you say that. Before this started, before this podcast started, I was just on TikTok, and I saw the Clemson's hitting coach had almost the exact same response to that question. And essentially, he said that we don't want to be begging guys to come here because even if, cause even if you do get that guy to come here, the chances of him leaving that next year is high. Yeah. So really, from what I'm hearing is that step number one, if I want to be on a college coach's radar, do do your homework about that college and, ac- and actually want to go there. And show interest. Yeah. yeah, show interest and actually want to go there. All right, that's that seems pretty basic, but I think that's a good step one. It is. That's a good step one. Yeah. And I think a little bit of that is getting guys out of their element a little bit, you know, as – you know, we get older, we see more and more of these kids are more attached to their phones. And they don't want to show that personal connection. When in reality, if you can take that little bit of time to just say, hey, um, I'm a person, um, I'm real, and I would like to, you know, actually look you in the eye and say, I want to show interest in the program. That goes a lot, a long way than you to have mom and dad being the ones to send me the email as far as with you showing interest in a baseball program in a college that you want to be a part of. So I think, again, the kid just has to take a little bit of initiative to get to where he wants to be with his life. 
and uh, and that yeah. it, it, so would that be okay and i know a huge how you said the medium of communication which i think is huge and unique with kids nowadays but from your perspective like an email to you that that'd be something you're okay with absolutely no again it's sometimes the easiest the easiest way is to send an email and just show your interest then i can honestly get back with to you as far as with communication and say hey you know if i want to see film if you have it send it over if you don't have anything, well, let's try to figure something out to get some more information and we can expand on everything that we want to do going from there. But, you know, for me, being a Division three coach, I don't have I don't have the funding, I don't have the time and the energy to go to all of the tryouts and all these camps and you know, and you know, even going halfway to the other side of the state, even for you guys like over there towards you guys, that that takes up a lot of the time that I unfortunately don't have. So sometimes it just takes that little bit of extra to say, you know what, let me do some of the work for you, coach, and give you some of the stuff that I already have to make it easier as far as with the back and forth on communication. For sure. And I'd like to go back, too, to what you said about uh, the parents sending the email versus the kids. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of that. And it kind of ties into what you said prior to all of that. Uh, about gr- about these kids having to grow up when they go to college, and and I think that's a great point, Josh. Because you know when you when you go and you leave college and you leave your parents, your parents are not there to answer. You know you can call them, sure, but on the, as far as day to day life goes, you you start to learn to live like without being as dependent on your parents. And a lot of that has to do with being an athlete too. Like you know if you're if you're a kid listening to this and you you're in high school and you want to play. For example, just because we're, you know, talking to him, you want to play for Coach Josh here, you know, find out how you can get his email and, and send and send him an email yourself, you know, on your on your email, not your mom and dad's email, you know, set up a little Gmail account or something and, and kind of take that initiative like you're saying. I think that's a great point because I think even not just not just for junior colleges, but I just think growing up in the in the adult life and the adult world and living in that world, you know, you have to kind of learn to to speak for yourself and take that kind of initiative and i think it's such a way to distinguish yourself yeah you, you know even at the high school level i well mean and me and jake you know we've not coached at the college level but we both coach at the high school level i find it amazing how i see some sophomores who will come right up to you shake your hand and really treat you like a peer yeah you know or, or close to you know like more like adult to adult yeah and i think that's a huge thing to learn because if, if you can install that in a kid then by the time they get to that college level it's already there yeah, and it's a good way to make an impact and stick out. For sure, because not many kids are doing that. Yes. Right. No, and you'd be amazed on a lot of times where, you know, kids will be, I'll get a text during the middle of the day, hey, coach, who do I talk to about getting this done? Or who do I talk to about this getting done? When, you know, if when we had our first meeting of the year, we had some guys who didn't have all their paperwork done, they said, hey, our athletic director, this gentleman right here, you're going to see him three times a day because we're going to be lifting right next to his office. So if you have questions, go talk to him. And kids turn around and they won't ask in person, but they'll shoot me a text and say, hey, coach, uh, where do I go as far as with this information again? And unfortunately, sometimes it's like you're just banging your head against the wall. And you know, I feel like that's just kind of how some kids are nowadays with – just not being able to look somebody in the eye and honestly ask for help. That'll just get them that much better with being responsible when they get into the real world. So 
also um, very important. And I, I feel like a lot of times when I talk about recruiting the kids, the kids themselves, at least in the captain's program and other programs, I think they know a lot about recruiting in like that top 10% of the schools and, yeah. and, and like, you know, the kids who are getting drafted. But there's tons of great baseball that's not at that level. So, and I guess, do you, from your perspective, do you go to a lot of showcases? Do you go to a lot of high school games? Like, where are teams that aren't like University of Florida, like, where are they finding players? So, fortunately, you know, the biggest thing that I always start with is just building relationships with a lot of high school coaches around the area here and even kind of around the state. Um, you know, being a guy who has been around baseball for a very long time, you really start to get to know certain people. Sure. Um, as far as with, you know, being able to point, you know, some of those diamonds in the roughs of kids that have come in from a small school. Nobody's really heard of him. Um, but, hey, he's worth a shot to look to as far as with trying to find something in that regard. And, you know, I've honestly, I've kind of kept up with the times with trying to go through as far as with recruiting websites um, there's a few of them that I go through specifically, um, NCSA, field level. Those are a few that I kind of just go through and it helps to have all the general information about obviously what a kid is looking for as far as with his program, um, you know, what his positions are. And a lot of times with those, they already have everything set up as far as with video. So that'll help us immensely. Cause like I said earlier, I can't just, you know, be like the University of Florida and send myself or an assistant coach to California to watch the California showcase and try to recruit kids from there. You know, we got to try to make do with what we have. And like I said, the resources of what the internet has become now actually makes things that much easier for us. That's so, that's so interesting because I, um, I think Jake would agree. I kind of consider myself more in like the old school camp, than the new school camp, just almost in everything in life, really. Yeah, right. um, however, I do think that nowadays, if you're a player and you're ignoring your online profile in the sense of, you know, like a PBR um, account or having a Twitter where, you know, your name, bio, and you just, you know, post videos, I think not only, like how you said, almost put yourself into a neat package. A coach who couldn't, a coach who's looking at a thousand players hey, here's my neat package. Right. I, I think that really can set you up. Do you, um, one of my good friends, he's an Eastern Illinois uh, assistant coach now, he told me that he gets a lot of guys who tweet at him that just like send a tweet like, hey coach, like here's my video, here's this, here's everything. Is that something you've done, you've encountered? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I mean, when I look at it, obviously if kids are, you know, looking at us and everything, they send messages to us on social media. We're all about it. You know, I, I want to make sure, obviously, you know, we're looking at the realization of what we can honestly offer these kids. Because um, some of these guys don't do their research. They're just honestly kind of spamming messages to all the coaches that they can find in all the programs. But it's kind of a rare thing. But, you know, I want to make sure that once kids send information to us, you know, we go through the proper channels to figure out what works best for them. And, you know, this is, you know, always what I talk about with social media also is, you know, you talk about the package. Well, the package can also be, you know, a good or bad thing because I've seen some guys, you know, that are fairly highly recruited or guys that just show a lot of good potential 
and I'll see things on social media that honestly just turn me off, whether it be with something offensive or anything inappropriate, or even just with something like with political views and everything like that. You know, it's just, I understand everybody has their own opinion, but there are also ways that you can go about having those things online without having it to be offensive to others, because I can't, I don't have the time or the energy to deal with guys who feel like that those kind of things are more important than baseball and your academic career. Yeah, I, I, I heard once online that if you're going to use Twitter, I mean, I'm using Twitter as an example, but I guess it could still be Facebook. I don't know if kids use Facebook as much as adults do. But I've heard that if you're going to use that as a professional medium to get coaches' attention, you should have one Twitter account dedicated just to that. No other posts except, you know, like GPA, you know, like the headline, your GPA, height, weight, class, year, then maybe film of yourself. And then, you know, maybe you can like share some stuff about yourself. And then if you want to have a true social social media account you know make a burner account or something you know because i i think i I do agree with you if 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 i'm sending a coach a uh, tweet of my latest weekend at a pbr showcase i don't necessarily think he needs to see videos of you know me on the boat in the summer with my family (laughs) you know I, i do think that should be separate so that's a very good point and i like how you said too don't just spam coaches uh if i'm actually gonna reach out to a coach i'd recommend taking the time like how you said make it specific don't just say dear insert name coach yeah. <laughs> i'm so excited for you to, to go to your school insert state <laughs> and come see it because because yeah, that's just a waste have, of time you have no idea how many times that um they even put the wrong name um <laughs> and they put my assistant coach's name um and i looked at it and i said well i don't look like a garcia but <laughs> I don't know who you may be speaking about. But, <laughs> That's um, funny. For context, okay, Coach Josh has red hair. Okay, He's, <laughs> he is one like Coach Jake. Okay, we we, we kind of look like cousins. <laughs> That's funny. Very distant cousins. Don't get it twisted, Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> distant cousins, right? Okay, so and how about um, I guess we we we've talked about some, and I guess we can take it this direction too because I think this is interesting. We've talked about some maybe like non-baseball field attributes, you know, to, to get your attention. Again, these are huge. These are important. But I, I always tell kids at, at some certain level, you have to actually be a physical enough player to play college baseball, right? At, at some point, you know, there are standards. Again, the standards are loose and there's left and right limits. But at some level, a player is just not good enough to play at the next level, you know, period. Just is what it is. Yeah. From a physical standpoint, you know, what really shows themselves, you know, are, are you looking for – are you a big numbers guy? Like, okay, these guys have to run, you know, sub seven sixties. Or are you more like, you know, I want to see the speed on the field. I guess what's your kind of relationship with hard numbers versus what you see on the field? So I've honestly, I want to see a lot of what guys can do in the pinch of being in tough situations. When we get into, you know, these big games that high school players will play with either like a rival school or you're getting into the regional finals, that kind of thing. I want to see how guys are mentally preparing themselves. And that's the thing that I always want to see. Are they going through the motions? Are they actually going to take every rep seriously? Are they there for their teammates? You know, I, I look for all of those things. I mean, are they having a bad game and now are they sitting in the corner sulking or are they actually being there for their teammates still trying to win the baseball game? And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people 
just try to, you know, make it about themselves. But in reality, I'm trying to see who can actually be a teammate oh. and who could be there. And if he has a lot of great attributes, then at that point, it's just going to be kind of just going through and just kind of fine-tuning things. But if there's a kid that I like, and he may not honestly have that 98 exit below, but he's hustling out every single play, you know, we can coach that. You know, we can make adjustments as far as making things better. But like I said, I just don't want guys in there who are honestly one of the best players in the area, but they just want to be selfish and make it all about themselves. Because then in that case, I, I'll just find somebody who's willing to just want to work every single day and do what I ask them to do. And I know that's kind of... <laughs> Kind of a vague, vague answer as far as to it, but no, that's like I, said, I just like I said, I just want to make sure guys understand that when they're here, you do what I ask you to do, and we don't have issues. That's such great insight because I do feel like now, and you probably see this a lot. I think there's almost competing interests between being a ball player and being someone that has the numbers. And I, I say that only because I know a lot of pitchers, and, and, and maybe pitching is such a good example of this, but there's a lot of pitchers on paper. You know, they have those numbers. High school kids sitting 88 miles an hour. You know, you, you see the game tape. You see it on PBR, um, Pro Baseball Report. And then you see their numbers in terms of, like, their high school season. It's like, okay, this guy's a Division One recruit, but he can barely get one win in a high school season. Like, where's the disconnect here? I mean, I'm making. Yeah. An, I mean, sometimes I'm making an assumption, but I assume a lot of times it is that grit, that ball player. You know, you can't put your finger on it, but it's there. And I think that's what's. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard because we because we just said that numbers are important, and we just said the online profile is important. But at the same time, if you don't, if you if you have the numbers, but you can't go out there and be a baseball player, well, then you're not a baseball player. It's right. just that simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The two the two have to come to one like that, and then you know both sides of it yeah that's big that's big what do you um let's see i i, I really want to frame this and I, it's almost hard for you because you're looking forward with your team guys and i kind of want to make you look backwards in terms of what the high school kid can get ready day one uh, what do you see makes a good youth pro like a travel program or a good program that is good in the terms of making baseball players ready for the next level? What are some attributes or some things that you see that are good? Maybe some things you see that aren't as good. So the biggest thing that I love to see, especially from travel ball, high schools, and all that kind of stuff, is that the programs are making this as much as a team-oriented thing instead of being an individual. And you'll see more and more of this where, you know, we get into some of these with some of these travel ball programs that have 11, 12 kids on the roster and the same kids play every single day. And, you know, if they have a bad game, it is what it is. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to win this weekend. Oh, boo-hoo, you know, whatever it is. But in reality, the guys who honestly love the sport, they're going to want to win. They don't care about individual things. They don't want it to be a about their stats, which unfortunately is kind of the <laughs> it's kind of the back and forth of what travel ball is, where you know some programs are all about just putting up as many stats as possible, and you know some programs are actually about playing baseball. And you know, besides that, as far as everything else, is just maturity. You know, I want to be able to deal with kids 
that understands kind of the basis of where things need to be, where they are, and what they're doing with their lives as far as with their direction. You know, I don't want guys to come to the program and then they kind of just put their hands in the air like, Coach, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to be. You know, give me, give me the answers instead of you taking the initiative and trying to find the answer. And, you know, if I can find those kind of programs, those are the kids I want. Because like I said, they're going to be coachable because they're going to take it as an adult and understand that there's a process to everything. Mm. And it's a process as, as far as with being a part of the team to win a ball game. And not that if I suck because I had a bad day, that means, you know, I, I, I can't do this or I can't do that. And then that turns into an ego. And, you know, you guys have probably dealt with this enough that egos will literally sap all the energy of anything that you want to do on a field. When it, and it can be as simple as just one guy. And, you know, like I tell guys, I, I, we don't have the time for it. We don't have the energy for it at the college level. So, Yeah, and that's such a good term. I think that coach a, coachability term, I actually just recently had a conversation with a player about this. Um, it, it's on the topic, but I guess it's not moving the conversation further anymore. But, I mean, coachability, it's really easy to be coachable when you're doing well. Yeah, And I think that's what kids don't understand. You know, it's really easy for me to coach you in a cage where, you know, we're having a good time and you're doing successful. Like, But can you take coaching where I'm telling you you're not meeting the standard? Like, I'm sitting you because you're not getting it done right now. Here's why. Yeah. Period. That, I mean, that's the hardest thing, I think, even for adults is to hear oh. that either you're not doing a good enough job or, or you could be doing better. Right, but that's our job as coaches to point that stuff out because we see that, you know, that improvement needs to be made and that it can be made, especially at the college level. Again, I anytime I do this podcast, I want it to be known that this was not me. I was like the opposite of this. I mean, that's why I, I transferred. Like I, I didn't know this at the time. But the, what's the definition of a coach? Someone who can help you get get you somewhere that you can't get by yourself. Right. Right. And sometimes that takes a little hard love. Yeah. And I think every freshman in the college experiences that. Even the kids that are studs, which are few and far between. But every kid has that moment of, hey, I have to get pushed a little bit in order to get where I want to be. And it just happens naturally at college, too, because there's more players on the team. If you, if, if, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that there's going to be someone there to take your spot. Oh, for sure. You know, so Probably you, five people. Yeah, so you, so you have to, that, that sense of urgency kind of has to be there if you want to make it. Yeah. You know, like otherwise, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like it's, I don't know, it's a, it's quite a jump. But Josh, I wanted to ask you another question too. Uh, when it comes to your, you, so we talked a little bit about like what you guys are doing right now for practices. You work, you're practicing five days a week. I think you said you're lifting three of those days. Now, when you guys start uh, getting outside, like maybe in the springtime, when you transfer from indoor to outdoor, uh, first of all, do, what do you guys have set up for indoor? Like what kind of work do you guys get in uh, inside? And then how do you kind of, you know, cause we, you're, you're in the Midwest too. So we only get so many good weather days. You have, when you get that chance to get outside, what are some of the like most important things you guys get out there and work on as a team? So honestly, that's a, that's a great question because a lot of times, you know, people who, you know, I, I laugh because we all go on a spring trip and we usually kind of go somewhere where it's either warm or we've been in Arizona 
Florida, who joined on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina a few years ago. And, you know, when we're inside, you know, we have a, we have an 80 foot by about a hundred, about a nine, I'd say about 80 by 80 square gym. It's a very old gym. Uh, we have a couple of indoor cages in there that just work perfect for us because they're long enough for us to go live in there. And, you know, we obviously are limited as far as with our outfielders getting realistic fly balls, um, infielders taking ground balls off of a, up a gym floor. You know, we, we can't honestly see the bad flight in a cage. Uh, we try to do what we can with some technology and, you know, it's hard because, you know, guys want to see results. They want to see, you know, oh, man, I hit that ball hard. You know, it's probably a cage bomb when in reality they probably just hit a routine fly ball to the center fielder, <laughs> you know. And as we kind of just help our guys understand, you know, there's a process that we have to have in order for us to get to where we need to be when we get outside for those first few games. And we have to be more concerned about consistency. And that means that when we take every single rep, we have to be consistent fundamentally. You know, every time we take swing a bat, I want these guys to understand I'm more concerned with you being on time, hitting the ball hard, you know, feeling confident when you're in the box, you know, when we go up against our pitchers, you know, that's what I'm looking for. We'll see the results once we get outside and start actually, you know, playing other teams and practicing. But until that is, it don't mean jack if every swing you take is, oh my goodness, I have to have, you know, 115 exit below here. Otherwise, you know, I don't feel confident enough to, you know, say that's going to be a hard hit ball. It's like, man, you've taken eight swings and every single one of them were right back through the cage to the back fence. I mean, you're going to be just fine, man. Don't overthink it. You trust your process and just keep working. And, you know, for a freshman, that sometimes is a hard pill to swallow. But we've seen results, but it's only, like I said, it's only going to come from them trusting in us to say, hey, let's keep doing what we've been doing, and it's going to work. I think that's a great point. I was very uh, very relieved to hear you use the word uh, timing, right, and confidence in the box. That is something that we, we preach to our players. Um what is the time? What's that like, though, for those kids that are coming from high school? You got freshmen coming in, you know, they've probably never seen like some of those kids. I mean, it's probably a little different now. Would you say, Coach Matt, like more kids in high school are throwing 80, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah, that's not you, crazy. Yeah. Right. And then you get to college and maybe they're maybe it's what, five, six mile an hour difference. Maybe once in a while you see a guy throwing 90, especially at his. I mean, especially at this level, it's probably very wide. I mean, even at the Division three NCAA level or even at the NAIA level, um, the it's the, the high and the low are pretty far apart. Yeah. You know, like uh, depends on the weekend, depends on you know, the average. Probably isn't even that representative of like in terms of velocity. Right. You know, because because right. I know, you know, I, I played at the Division One level and I played at the Division Three level, and I always tell people when they ask me what's the difference. People used to ask me that a lot. Not, not people haven't much anymore recently, but I, I would always say it's the pitching, but it's the consistency of the pitching. Yeah. You know, at Carthage, the the, the Friday night guy upper 80s low 90s that's not unusual but then by the time you get to sunday and you get to the second guy in the bullpen i mean that guy might be 83 so i mean there's a big difference at the yeah. college division one level you know their best pitcher might be their relief their their first guy out of the pen at d3 that never happened 
because yeah. that guy'd be a starter. Right. So I mean, I guess to go back, yes, I think most people in high school are comfortable with seeing 80s. But I think at the college level, especially if you get to some of the like just not Division One pitching, I think has the most variety. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. In terms of what you'll see, the stuff you see. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I I think too what you're talking about. And I, I think this is something interesting that probably deeper conversation, but I think the difference between the high school and the college hitter, I think the high school hitter, you're learning about yourself. You're trying to become the best hitter you can be. I think at the college level, it's almost like taking a step back and saying, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not great at. How can I triple down on my strengths and try to minimize my weaknesses? You know, uh, do you, do you, is that something that resonates with your guys or is that just kind of crazy stuff I think about sometimes? No, that's, I mean, you'd be amazed at how many guys can be so particular about certain things that they've already had predetermined in their mind about who they are as a player. Mm. Um, you know, kind of, kind of talking about, like you said, you know, that some of these guys come from some of these schools that they're the guy, you know, they're the stud, they're the dude and everything else. And. You know, once they've honestly gotten here, you went from maybe that three, four hitter to that six to seven hitter in the lineup. And, you know, kids get emotional about that. And when in reality, it's just, hey, you're still in the lineup. Yeah. You're you're good enough of a hitter. You're still good enough, even as a freshman, you know, that you're obviously able to be in the lineup. And, you know, I I just, I can't wrap my mind around how some kids have to to be the three hitter. But, um, you know, we want our guys to just look at it and say, you know what, you're you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to learn things because nothing is, is going to be the same of what you've been taught and nothing is going to be, you know, what you've learned is the way and how everything is going to be taught from every level. Because um, what I may teach guys now and then when guys move on to the next level and their coach may tell them something completely different. You know, if guys aren't going to be have the adversity and deal with it, then they're going to have issues. And, so. you know, I think that's a good point what you said about different levels. And I, I always try to teach that with our kids, too, is that a lot of times we're teaching you stuff that can work right now at this level you're at. But, you know, teaching teaching hitting, and I, I, I do more hitting than pitching, and so does Jake. Um, I was a catcher myself, so I really don't know too much about pitching. Well, not a whole bunch, but... In terms of the hitting and the swing, you know, I really do think it's like an onion. You know, there, there's so many layers to peel back. Yeah. And some stuff, some stuff that makes you really successful at one level doesn't make you successful at the next level. And the college kids I work with, you know, the handful of kids I work with that are in college and I work with to give lessons to and some virtual lessons and some in-person lessons, I always tell them that the hitter that made you successful in high school is not, gonna, is not the hitter that's going to make you successful in college. And I, I know some people might disagree with me, but I, I'm a firm believer that there's almost two, you know, the high school hitter and the college hitter are different on a lot of aspects. And one, one of the things I just said is, you know, and when I'm, when I'm teaching a junior in high school, like I want him, I want to teach him to like stay back on that curveball, hit the ball the other way when it's, when it's necessary and all that good stuff. But sometimes the college guy, I'm more saying like, hey, you're a good early pitch fastball hitter, like hunt that fastball, triple down on your skill set and hey you might not be a great curveball hitter we can work on it but that's not where you're going to make your money maybe ever 
you know, because you got three more years yeah. left of baseball. Right. And I guess, is, is, do you do you do you have some conversations like that, or is that something you see too? Or again, this is something that you live every day. This is something I just lived before, so I'm kind of talking in memory. But <laughs> <laughs> no, and you're honestly hitting the nail on the head. Is that when we get into um, when we honestly start getting our guys into live situations with inner squatting and everything like that, you know, a lot of that is us seeing the capabilities of what guys can adapt to mm. and also where their mindset is because I'm going to honestly look at some freshmen and be like, hey, man, so what are you thinking as far as with this at bat within this situation? You know, we've got runners in scoring position. Are you trying to be a guy that tries to lift it up and try to get it in the air? Are you going to be a guy that's just going to hit it hard? I mean, what are you looking at as far as with a mindset? And you'll have some egotistical guy say, hey, coach, I'm going to try to hit it 600 feet. It's like, well, let's take a step back here and let's honestly be realistic, you know. And some guys, honestly, do struggle with the curveball, but we have to have those conversations with them Mm -hmm. because once kids get distraught that they can't hit off speed, then that's going to start trickling into, well, now I just can't hit it all, so that means I can't hit a fastball. I can't have an approach. And then no. I have to get out front and swing heavier than I have to and just put more pressure on yourself for no reason. And you were talking about mindsets. I'd even take it a step back further. How about just your natural physical limitations? You know, I mean, some guy, and there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, let, let's say you're five foot six, five foot six, 165 pounds walking into freshman year of college. You have to tailor your game to what you can even do. Right. Like if, if that guy is routinely hitting pop-ups, his swing might be fine, but if, if, that, if that was my player, I would tell him, you're not going to get in the lineup by hitting pop-ups. We need you to get on base and move the guys over. Right. Right? And I think that's a harder conversation to have with some people. But I'd even say, you know, and uh, me and Nate talked about this once. You, let's say if I want to go to University of, um, I don't know, Texas. Right? I'm, I, I want to go to Texas. I love the Longhorns. And let's say you're a shortstop. Go online. Google their shortstop. How tall is he? How much does he weigh? Google his name. Find some videotape. What are his numbers? If you're not reaching those numbers, not like, yeah. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? Right. Like, I mean, I'm five foot eight when I stand up straight. I probably wasn't going to make it as a Division One pitcher anyway. Right. I mean, there's some things you just got to understand. I think as a player, unless you just got something crazy special about you, which you might. I mean, tons of people do. Well, they're they're a needle in a haystack. But I, I think in terms of the college level, that's when you got to start having these real conversations. Right. You know, the, you know, the high school coach. You know, the high school kid. I want that on that projection. It's very easy to kid yourself. I mean, we see that all the time in travel ball, in in yes. in, in, a, in, a, in a, many different ways, from different angles. Kids that are just like you know, you hear stuff and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, because we know as coaches. We kind of have a good idea of what your physical limitations are because we're coaches. We're going to put you in a position to be successful, right? And we've just been around the game a long time. And, yeah, that too, right? And and but they may leave, they may walk out of practice saying, "Well, I should be playing second base." <laughs> and you know, if, if that were the case, I'd have a whole team of second basements. Yeah. What am I going to do with twelve second basements? Uh, so not turn a double play. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. It, it is. There is my, something to be sorry, said for that. You, Jake. My personal favorite is that you'll get you'll get the infielders or the outfielders who think, Coach, I can I got an inning in me. I can pitch. I'm like, you have never pitched before, so don't even waste my time as a pitching coach to even have you put on put you on the mound and have you be embarrassed in front of all these guys here that you counted your teammates. 
because you think you can throw at this level when you haven't even thrown since T-ball. I'm sorry. So, so were you a pitcher coach when when you played? Yeah, I was. Uh, I kind of played both. I was a two-way guy. I played outfield and I pitched. Uh, once I got to the end of my career, um, I mainly predominantly pitched. Um, went from a starter, then I got put into the bullpen towards closer my last year of college. Uh, but yeah, pitching was kind of my forte. Everything else towards within my college career mainly, primarily. So, so I'm. I think I might be like a year younger than you, but we're in the same age bracket. What are your thoughts now on how are you? Um, I guess I'll, I won't show my own bias. Do you like weighted balls? Do you not like weighted balls? Do you like long toss? Do you not like long toss? I would love to hear some insight on that because th- those are topics that really interest me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When it comes down to doing the research, you know, I laugh because even our guys now, they love the plow balls. I honestly, plow balls were right after we got right out of college. Yeah. And, you know, everybody now thinks – if I just pick up this weighted ball and I just throw it up against the wall, then, you know, I'm going to be like those guys on social media and I'm going to throw 102. But they also don't understand those guys. One, they're working out twice as much as you are. That's why they look as jacked as they do when they throw that baseball that hard. But two, they're going through the process instead of just thinking it's going to be an immediate answer. And I'm really big on files because I want our guys to develop the strength within their shoulders and everything else when we're doing the research with that. But I also want our guys to still play long toss. I want guys to still be able to throw and create that longevity with their bodies. Mm -hmm. And I was a really big component even when I played at the college level and even when I was in high school was I need to play long toss. I need to get get out there and build strength up in more than just one way with a weighted baseball. And, you know... When I say that to some freshman, he thinks that means he's got to throw until his arm falls off, when in reality, I want our guys to look me dead in the eye as an adult and say, hey, coach, I'm a little tired today from, you know, doing this and doing that, and I'm not going to go, you know, a whole 100, 270 feet today as far as throwing, but I'm going to go until, honestly, I feel good at about 180 feet. I'm fine with that, you know. I can't read, a mind. I can't read the guy's mind, you know. I've been trying to do it for years. doesn't work. Um, a, a lot of it is just going to be these guys understanding their bodies and obviously what they can what they can handle. And again, like I said, I'm a I'm a really big guy on the word process. Is that it's all going to come with time. Again, you're not going to be one week into doing our plyo ball routine, and you're going to see a jump of seven mile an hour difference. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So. Just keep working it, just keep developing with it, keep trusting it, and you will see results if you keep going through the process of getting better. That's all it's going to come down to in the end. I, I, I agree with you. I think sometimes, so my take on the plyo balls, I like plyo ball work. I like it specifically for Midwestern people like we are. Because in the winter, it's a lot easier to do a plyo ball routine consistently. You know, make it a part of your daily habit than it is to do some long toss and throwing. However, that being said, I think it's a negative turn. And this is, I've said this to Nate and we all agree. Kids nowadays, like how you said, think it's like a one-stop shop. Like, I'm going to just do plyo balls and this is my magic ticket. No, you're you're missing out on core strength. You're missing out on leg strength. You're missing out on mobility. And then add plyo balls. It's almost like plyo balls... um, 
uh, I hate to use this example because it's probably, you know, maybe offensive, but that's like someone who's morbidly obese worrying about, you know, their glycogen index, you know, maybe start like, 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 like start at step one, you know, if you weigh five, weigh 500 pounds, maybe go for a walk one day a week, Yeah. you know, just to work your way down. Right. And like, that's unfortunately what I see with the kids sometimes, you know, a kid who just, his mechanics are all over the place. His just pure with the with the regular ball arm strength isn't there, but he's only focused on plyos. Like yeah. no, young man, you got like four or five steps before t- until you get the plyos. I mean, it's a process. All these things that you use, the, you it's use, a pyramid. Yeah, and you use all the tools that yeah. you have. You, you know, it's not. There isn't ever going to be one thing that's just going to be like your your miracle fountain of success. You know, your little. You know, you have to kind of use all the things at your disposal, I feel like. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, plyo balls, really good. It could help but you a lot. I, I just hate how they make such a good, like, Twitter thing. Like, you can post someone doing plyos and then post, like, their velocity, like, 96. Yeah. And then it's so easy to be like, oh, well, there it is. Yeah. That's all this guy's doing. Yeah, there's the proof. Yeah. But realistically, how... They don't show that he deadlifts 500 pounds. Exactly. Yeah. 600... You know, they don't show all the steps up to that point. It's the, I just see this, so automatically I'm going to do that, and that's how, that's how it's going to work. I think that's and, one of, Josh, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do think that's one of the bad things about social media nowadays. Yeah. Everything, all these clips are just a few seconds, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. But they all show these things like, they show like him 10 seconds of his plyo routine, and then it shows to him throwing a bullpen with the radar. Then he's throwing 98 and you're like, holy crap, you know, but there's so much behind the scenes that's not shown that got that kid to throw that 90. I mean, you could, you could probably argue that there's one or two unicorns out there, you know, that, that just naturally have that ability where they could just throw hard. Like I knew a couple of those kids growing up that just threw twice as hard as everybody else. And you didn't know why there wasn't really nothing. So they just had it, you know, but when you get older, I think that kind of goes away and it kind of diminishes, but as far as the, the, the doing those things, those routines and those different workouts, like, don't just stick to one thing. Yeah, you know? it's, it, again, let's be real. We all know this. In order to make big gains in anything in life, baseball, your business, your health, anything, you have to put hours to doing stuff that's not sexy. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, every single person can go on TikTok and see the guy finishing the marathon. But yeah. guess what? He had to do a lot of 4 a.m. wake-up calls where he felt like crap and he ran. And it's, yeah, same they, thing they, about throwing, same thing about hitting. It's just it's They simple. show the last 30 seconds of the marathon, but they don't show the whole year and a half, two years he took training yeah. for it. And all the blood, sweat, and tears went into that. Poop in his pants when he's running. Have you... um? Coach, have you seen like that kind of – and I know we're all younger. We're about the same age. I'm 32. Have you seen a culture shift a little bit in coaching? You've seen kids, you know, kind of – I don't want to call them the TikTok era, but sure, the TikTok era. Yeah. Hey, like, have you seen that actual from a coaching perspective? Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of – I kind of laugh when, you know, you'll, you'll get guys that, you know, my wife has got me on TikTok, you know, unfortunately, so – I'll see some of the things that, you know, about baseball and all that kind of stuff. And it actually is surprising on, on how some of the things are actually some pretty good stuff. Um, but, you know, just like anything, there's still some pretty bad stuff on there. And, you know, I've seen some guys that are honestly terrible influences on kids' mindsets of what they need to do in baseball or just in sports in general. Um, I've even heard, I, I listened to this guy talk for about a minute and a half, just talk about how you need to be selfish 
when you're playing travel ball. So which in my head, for all the years that I've played baseball, and I'm like, since when could you ever be selfish when you're, you're playing a team sport? And it, it just doesn't comprehend with me. And, you know, unfortunately, when that stuff is put out there and these guys that are popular and everything else that, you know, nobody can call them out on it. And it, it just can create some problems because, again, kids just soak things up like a sponge and it just makes things worse. And you don't ever want to have to deal with that kind of stuff. But in all, in all retrospect, you're going to have good just as much as you're going to have with the bad with some things. Thank you very much. No, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Uh... Uh, we got a couple more minutes here, uh, Josh, and we're going to have to take a break. But uh, let's, I want to ask you, um, if for in your recruiting, what's one thing that you've had to change since you started? What's like an adjustment that you've made, something maybe that you thought going into your your current role, you know, I, I, that you want to do your recruiting a certain way? What's changed for you since you've been uh, atop of that program out there? The biggest thing is honestly just being more personal with kids when we get to we get them here on campus, you know, you can go through the whole, you know, the whole song and dance about this is the program, this is this, this is that and everything else. You can join us or you don't. We'll move on, blah blah blah. You know, that's the old school way that some coaches are. Um, for me, I really I try to build as much of a connection that I can with the kid, try to understand what his expectations are. You know, what are they looking for as far as with their program and their future and what they want to do with their lives outside of baseball? You know, you'd be amazed on how you can honestly just sit down and talk to kids now when you just really want to focus more on them instead of trying to make it about baseball on how much these kids will honestly be more open with you. And, you know, even though I'm 32, I can still relate with a lot of these guys on how they want to do things. And, you know, I feel like that was the biggest jump for me to create a better program that's going to create more stability for me to say, hey, our guys are going to be able to be open with me because I'm going to sit down and actually build that relationship with them. Right on. Right on. And I, um... Just, just to add on that, I always find it's so amazing from a coaching perspective, and, and I'm still working on this because, you know, no one's the best coach yet. Yeah. Players can hang on one or two phrases you say to them. And, you know, when I first started coaching, I always thought, hey, you know, I just, I just assumed kids saw the bigger picture. But, you know, you realize when you're coaching, a kid will talk to you about something you said to him in practice before the season started. You're like, wait, you remember that? And, you know, it kind of makes you think like, man, you just really have to be careful with what you're saying. Yeah. Be, be, be purposeful at what you're saying with the kids. And in terms of what you said too, Coach, about the kids getting to know them outside of baseball, when I talk to kids about recruiting and college choices, I always say choose the school, the baseball, and then I say plus, like plus something else. Because baseball is not always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I say that because there's going to be some weeks where you hate baseball in college. There's going to be some weeks where you don't want to even show up, but you do. So in order for you to stay at the school, there has to be a plus, like plus something else. 
You know, because again, I, I went to school just for baseball. And again, baseball is going to be good. It's going to be bad. And then once, I, once it got bad for me, there was no plus. Yeah. So I, I think that's a very good point. You know, baseball, even if you're a stud out there and you're going to practice and doing the extra work, okay, generously, that's four hours of your day. What do you do with the other 20? Give me a, give me a couple examples of a plus. Yeah. Oh, for me, a plus would be like a program. Like, uh, let's say I, I really want to be an, uh, an engineer or like an aerospace engineer, like something at the program that that school offers. Yeah. A plus could be, I hate to say this, a plus could be you have no other, uh, you have no other options. That's a plus. Like, if I can't get into another school, this is the only college I can get into, well, that's your plus. Yeah. <laughs> you better start liking it because you can't go anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I was right? that myself. I mean, I mean, a plus can be the location. A plus can be a beautiful a beautiful campus, a beautiful baseball field. How about, All pluses. How about a cafeteria? Because I'm telling you, cafeteria will sell me, buddy. <laughs> you can you, sell me with a cafeteria. <laughs> hey, and Josh, I know this. Viterbo, when I went to visit Viterbo, they had a section in the cafeteria Okay, with these these older ladies, like these grandmas, okay. they made, and they made all they did was make sandwiches. Starts off good already. <laughs> it's like uh, sold. Where's where's my uh, tuition check? I'm a you man know? that can like a sandwich. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then they had off. It was they, always funny because with Coach Jake, I'd be like, "Where's Jake?" And I started looking. He's over there, right in line, trying to get a sandwich. Oh, dude, Gladys, Gladys knew exactly what I wanted by week three. She didn't, I didn't even have to order. I go the huge. The usual, and Gladys would whip it up for me. It was like a, a nice sandwich that Grandma would make you. Oh, it's the it's, you know? it's the finer things in life. It is, you know. So there's there's a lot of different things, you know. You got to eat, uh, you know. But that's just you know my stomach talking. You know, I'm a foodie myself, so a good cafeteria is a plus. Huge plus. Right. You don't want to be eating uh, ramen noodles and uh, wax and wax and uh, broth, as I like to call it, floor wax. And again, I mean, a plus could even be an opportunity. You know, and I, I oh, think yeah. that, yeah, social I think, clubs are well, I, I something you're way. into. I think that's one thing that junior college has, and I, I kind of wish, and maybe you do promote this. I wish some junior colleges promoted it more. It's an opportunity. Yeah. I'm giving you an opportunity to put your cleats on a on a college baseball field. Where you take it, sky's the limit, buddy. Did and you I, did you guys know that only seven percent of high school baseball players or high school athletes, let's say end up playing college sports i even think that's probably generous but yeah that makes sense i mean it could be generous but even so like so 93 percent of the people playing in high school will not play any further than that i think that's bizarre so what i tell uh what i tell kids um now that are kind of making i kind of knew a guy who was making this transition he was going to a juco in kansas i said buddy you're one of the seven percent who cares where you go you're you're doing it yeah, you know, like Here's you're your not. You, it's not a permanent thing. You know, maybe you maybe you go there and 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 you play well and you're able to transfer. You know, and play somewhere else, kind of like you did, Matt, and you did, Josh. But like, that's just say, like, get your foot in the door, dude. Be one of those seven percent because that's that's huge in and of itself. And, and one thing I will add on to that, you know, even from our perspective, you know, and like you're talking about how we promote it, I look at it and say, look, here's the deal. We've obviously recruited you for a reason, to be here, to be a part of the program and be a part of baseball. After you've seen everything with your tour and after I've talked to you, if this if this feels good enough for you to be home for two years, then let's do it. But I want to make sure that you're 100% committed to it. You know, I don't want kids that are like, oh, I don't know. It just seems like something I may be interested in. You know, I, I don't know, coach. It's like, well, that's fine. Take all the time you need to figure out that decision. You know, if that's still us. After, you know, you sit at home for a week, you talk to mom and dad, and 
say, hey, you know, I still want to go play college baseball, that door is always going to be open for us. And for guys who want to work their butt off for an opportunity, as I tell them, you know, the opportunities for you are going to come when you put that time and effort in. If you play well enough, people are going to show up. People are going to know who you are. All of those college coaches talk. We all know that the opportunity to go who, where, and at what level. You know, you'd be amazed on how many college coaches will just randomly pop up on somebody's radar and just say, oh. All right, Coach Josh, Coach Josh, we got to stop. Clapton score will be right back after this. Hello, everybody. This here is Buddy Garrity, okay? And I'm here to tell you something right now, all right? The Kenosha Captains got a baseball program. They're traveling all over, well, let's just say the region, okay? Now, listen, I know I'm, I know what you're thinking. You're listening to this here. You're saying, Buddy Garrity, you're a football man. And listen, you are dead right. Buddy Gary loves football the way God loves football, all right? But I just need to tell you something. I w took a trip to Door County, and on my way, I passed the lakefront dugout. And let me tell you something. The boosters have called. They are punching their ticket, and we will make our stay here in Kenosha, Captain's Baseball Program. Now, if you are listening to this podcast right now, we I will need you to do something for me. I'm going to need you to share this podcast on all your social medias. I need you to get this thing out there so that folks can understand and, and, and learn learn from this program. They are doing such great things. I met Coach Matt and Coach Jake, and they are just some absolute gems. And they, they remind me so much of Coach Taylor. And I just... I just can't believe Buddy Garrity, myself, did not know this much about baseball. My eyes are wide open. And before I get into it anymore, let's get you all back to the show. All right, we're back. We had to take a break for our sponsors. But, Coach, we always like having people on, and we always talk to people about, you know, what is something that they want to express or something that, you know, an idea that they have that you can talk directly to the people two travel ball players, two travel ball parents about. Is there anything you have, Coach, that you were thinking about that, you know, I wish travel ball parents knew X or I wish travel ball kids or kids, you know, 16, 17 knew? Anything like that? Yeah, the biggest thing I want kids to understand is expect a lot of work. Yeah. You know, a lot of kids think that, you know, just because – it's baseball. You don't get to practice a whole lot outside that, oh, we don't, you know, practice this and that and everything else. Maybe this. Oh, no. Like I said earlier, we practice five days a week. We're lifting three days a week. There's going to be a lot demanded from you from the college level. So you're going to have to work and you're going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry, but, you know, kids, kids don't think that you're just going to be able to walk through and just go through the motions because some high school teams and some travel ball teams don't push their kids that way. Mm -hmm. And that can just be a bigger problem. So as I tell guys all the time, be prepared to work. Even for, like I said, a Division three junior college like us, you know, we're going to make it work. There's no wins or buts out it. Yeah, I've never um, – I've played with a lot of players that have played with tons of different levels, high, low. I don't know of any college program that 
doesn't work their players hard. And, you know, and I... I was a catcher, and I, I try to promote this to my catchers. I didn't know what bullpens meant until I went to college. Like, I didn't even know. Like, for catchers. For catchers. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you catch bullpens in high school, and even for your travel ball team. But, you know, once we had winter practices start, it was lifting in the morning. I would do bullpens in the afternoon, like an hour of bullpens. And then I'd have my individual practice, either catching work, maybe hitting in, in, in the afternoon. And, and to me, that, that was all winter. That type of level, I mean, again, it's fun. I, I had a blast. I'm so happy I did it. But is it as fun if you know you're the second string catcher or the third string catcher? That's a huge mental blow. I felt for me, and I can only speak to myself, I think I was physically mature enough to play at the level I was at, but I don't think I was mentally there, not even close. Coach, what do you th- is there any mental tips you have for some players? And again, I can only, I've only been a player. I've never been a coach at that level. You've seen it from a coach's perspective. Do you have anything, mental tips or something like that you'd give to a player? Yeah, I always tell guys, you know, you'll start seeing some guys kind of separate themselves at certain positions. You know, we may have a few sophomores at one position that, honestly, they understand our, they understand our process, they understand everything defensively, what we do, those kind of things, and may have one freshman that's, you know, kind of stuck behind the eight ball. And the one thing I always tell him is that learn as much as you can from those guys, but also outwork them, however that may be for yourself. You know, you may not be the fastest dude there, but do what you can to get faster. You know, don't just settle and say, well, you know, these guys are ahead of me. There's no chance. You have no idea what's going to happen. You know, knock on wood, somebody gets hurt. Somebody becomes ineligible, and you haven't been busting your butt all winter, and now you're the dude. And, you know, some guys can't make that mental jump and just say, okay, now it's game time. And I look at guys and just make sure they understand. If you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Oh, I love that quote. Love Such that. a good quote. That's that. so true. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about phrases before, too. I'm I a like, big phrase guy. Big phrase too. guy. Me too, and I like I that one. Little, I might steal I that one from Coach Josh. Well, I I just like too. I was listening to that, you know, that Navy Seal Jocko Williams or something. Jocko Willink. Yeah, Willink. Yeah, he had a good. He had a real good little podcast where, you know, anytime someone tells him something sucks or something's bad, he says good. good. And you know, I wish I would have had like that in my ear as a player. Yeah. Like, hey, this is hard. Hey, you got five guys in front of you. Good. good. Like, embrace this. Embrace. Got a chance to get better. Exactly. I mean, real easy to say, harder to embrace, but I do think, and maybe this is even touching back to some of the good new school things, some of that content's great. Yeah. Like some of that content from, you know, even like a, the, let's say the, the Huber Lab and like all these podcasts and content that I listen to a lot, man, there's some good content there. there so I, I do think if you are a player that's maybe struggling with the mental side of it, there's resources out there now. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yeah. tons, you know, well, I mean, one, I would say if it's real serious, you know, talk to a coach, talk to someone, you know, in your circle. But, you know, if you're just feeling down a little bit, you know, just go on YouTube, say Google, like, you know, David Goggins. Just like hear some of oh, this man. stuff and be like, you know. Listen, you put out a David Goggins video, you're going to, you're not going to walk out any doors. You're going to walk you're through, gonna the run through the doors. Run through the doors. You're going to run through the doors. So I have, we have one big question, probably our last question for you, coach, yeah. our big one. Um, Field of Dreams. Is it a baseball movie? Yes or no. Yes or no? Man, I, when I heard you guys ask this one on the last podcast, I was like, man, 
That is a very good question. It darn is. He actually listens. Like, it, this is I mean, awesome. I mean, I, I'm telling you, if you are a baseball guy, which I can just tell, Coach, you're a baseball guy through and through. I can feel it. You will think about this question for hours. I have. Yeah. I have a. Yeah. I, 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 I have two full notes. <laughs> I, have, I have two pages of notes explaining my position on this. I won't tell you. I think people might know. But um, <laughs> let, let, me, let me hear your thoughts. I feel that. The general concept of baseball being in the movie is where people think it is, but in reality, unfortunately, I do not think Field of Dreams is a baseball movie. Let's, let's go! I, I am so... Wow. I mean, nothing more needs to be said. I mean, he could be a permanent guest on here if, he, if we want to be, Coach. We got enough, you got enough time. Um, I have nothing more. Jake, you got anything more for Coach? Oh, he's so wrong, though. Okay. We... Sorry. You know, I, I I look at it with, like I said, the baseball concept of it, yes, that does have a baseball theme. But outside of Moonlight Graham, what what else really is there that create that saying, yes, this is entirely only about baseball? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you. He would have carved out a baseball field, this cornfield. I am and going shoot to. As Joe Jackson walked out. I'm going to take the next couple of days off of work. Yeah. And I'm going to. I don't even think there's more than 20 minutes of baseball footage in the whole movie, dude. <laughs> the, the movie is about a man discovering his relationship with his father. That's the movie. Right. If you replace baseball with hockey, the movie doesn't change. It's the same movie. It's true. I but mean, they chose baseball, in which you would then say or argue that it would be a hockey movie. They chose baseball because it's in the United States, and no, 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 in the United that's States, his dad, his dad played. He loved the game. All right. Well, we, this will be a whole nother podcast, specifically yes. on Field of Dreams. I have notes, Coach. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Again, if anyone has any questions about the podcast or any questions about um, Coach, you want to get in contact with us, you can email us, and we'll facilitate that. Yep. The email is Captain's Corner. 444 at gmail.com. Josh, I appreciate you having, uh, appreciate you coming on today. Hopefully, we get you on here again. And even more so, I hope we get you into Kenosha in some time in the future. I mean, 61 is a baseball movie. Oh, through and through. There's that's a difference. Probably, that's the most underrated baseball movie of all time. Major League Back to the Minors, Major League Three. Also a baseball movie. It's a baseball movie, now, but now not the best. Are, now you guys are jumping down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're not athletes. We're baseball players. I appreciate you guys as far as everything, but yeah, no, let's find a way to get me back on here because I always love to, you know, pick your guys' brains more on some other things with baseball. Oh, we could. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Take care, everybody.